good. Roll initiative, set phasers to fun, sling some spells, and play on. It's the Sunday Gamer Podcast, where we answer the tough questions about games. No, not how to play Twilight Imperium 4. The complex questions of why we play, the way we do, and how to play. Tune in as we take questions and talk gaming culture. Welcome to the Sunday Gamer Podcast. I'm Judd. And I'm Bob. We're here to answer the tough questions in gaming world today. Mm-hmm. So, Judd, what, uh, let's just get into it. Uh, what have you done this week? What kind of games you played? And... Let's see. I played a little bit of D&D Adventure League. Um, we played Dominant Species. Um, on New Year's Day, we played Eldritch Horror. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our games are going to overlap. Well, well let's go Adventure back. League. Let's go back and talk about Avengers League for a second. I don't play RPGs as much as I used to. Uh, I usually stick to science fiction and the horror, like Cthulhu and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't you uh, just give me a short uh, synopsis of what Avengers League is and why people maybe would be interested in playing it for Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, if you play D anD D Fifth Edition, Avengers League is a way to play that is organized with other people, other tables. Um, it's not a home game. It's recorded so that you can take it to conventions, you can take it to other tables, other cities. Uh, it's standardized where you don't min-max as much. And so, so hold on a second. So when you say it's a um, a recorded game, it's it's is it uh, the the DM still makes up everything, right? Or do they have to go by like a well? We used to call them second edition modules or pre pre. Uh, Pre, prefabbed uh, dungeons and, and mm-hmm. adventures. It's hardcover and modules um, approved by the committee. And then there's also a element now where you can create your own community-created content mm-hmm. released to DMs Guild. And those are called CCCs, uh, the community-created content. Mm-hmm. They, um, they're a way for you to leave your little stamp on Adventures League. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few rules to making them, but other than that, uh, it's pretty free. That sounds really cool. And so you can take these characters to conventions, like if you were going to Gen Con or mm-hmm. Origins and they were running Adventures Leagues there, you could take your character and it would be fine. Yeah. Um, they'll look at your log sheets, see that you have created them to spec, that you haven't taken multiple books, because that's part of the balancing feature, is that you only get one additional book other than the player's handbook. Okay, that's cool. Now, do you have to have your own books or... Is it something that... Uh... Typically, this is played at stores, so stores should provide books because it brings in revenue. <laughs> yeah, we'll go into that in a later episode. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk about stores and uh, the support that they give their gaming community uh, mm-hmm. in another episode, the next episode, actually. Um, well, that's D&D Adventures League. I want to talk about a game that we played just the other night, uh, Dominant Species, uh, it's a great game by GMT Games. As a matter of fact, I think it's probably their best game they have out. Uh, I'm a big fan of dinosaurs and evolution just in general. I just, that kind of, the science kind of fascinates me. And the game plays pretty well out. I mean, we're looking at uh, a game that uh, it doesn't have, it, it seems like a Euro, right? When you're setting it up, it's ugly, it doesn't look good, but yeah. it, it looks straight up like a Euro, but it's not really, is it? When I, I mean, look it's around got the Euro, board, mecha- Euro mechanics. I look around the board and see the points, mm-hmm. and I'm like immediately put off because I'm not a big fan of Euros. Yeah. But then it played really thrash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was. there was some things in it that, that really uh, 
that really that that really intrigued me. Uh, the cards, I think, are sometimes it, depending on when they come out of the game, they're a little overpowered. Uh, but I like the strategy of picking your uh, different mammal or different species and and playing to their strengths. It's a really cool game. And as far as it being a Euro, yeah, uh, GMT is known for making pretty heavy games. And I would say this is this is a nice heavy game. I think we played it in about two and a half to three hours. Mm -hmm. Is that about right? Um, I didn't win, uh, but hey, you know, didn't come in last. Yeah, right? I came in last. Okay. Um, uh, but, first time playing the game. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a great game. Um, and if you're really interested in, in playing games with dinosaurs and, and a little bit uh, a little bit of mind melt, uh, you know, you have to think out your turns in advance. I'd say this is a great game. Did you think the strategy was there in this? I think strategy was heavily present. I think theme was even more present. Really? Uh, I don't know. I think it is a little heavy on theme. Um for a euro, but I don't think it's very super thematic either. I mean, um, when you just look at the components, the components are just ugly, right? It's cones and yeah. and and cubes and cylinders, and we we joked about being the cones of Dunshire yeah. throughout the whole game. Uh, really, the board once it's set up, with the exception of the tiles, it's it looks straight up. I don't think it's got a lot of table presence. It's not going to attract a lot of people if they see you playing in the game store. No, it's. I'm not saying it's like heavy in aesthetic theme. I think it's heavy in like mechanical theme. I think the fact that you can just randomly lose a whole ton of species is very indicative of the science of evolution. Right. Yeah, you know, dealing with the tundras and if if people are familiar with it, you know, of uh, there's a there's a there's a a spot on the board called glaciation. Mm -hmm. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh where you will put your little cylinder on and then you get to put a tundra down, and basically there's a tundra that starts in the middle of the table, and it will spread out as the game goes by, and you'll score points. But anytime it hits a spot with species on it, you eliminate all the species except for one of each kind of species. So, yeah, I'd, I would say the mechanics there kind of lend itself toward a theme. But could you keep it? Could you see this theme being pasted on anything else? Anything? anything Maybe not the theme, chance, but the mechanics. The mechanics. Yeah, but like. All games are math. It's all been done. Right. Would you? Uh, but I can see what you're saying about it. it's not heavy. It's not designed for aesthetic. It's not got. It's not got the same kind of thematic as like Dinosaur Island, which I don't think you've played. I haven't played that yet. Uh, but you know, Dinosaur Island has some some very complicated mechanics. It's basically three or four games just mixing one. And you go through each game in each phase. But the thematics are there. The dinosaurs can eat your people. This one is more of a science experiment, right? If you look at it that way. It's more like a one of those sandboxes where you play God and put the elements in. And... Yeah, that's true. You can uh, you, you kind of you control the evolution of your species. But uh, So what did you think of the game? I thought it was good. Um, I think it was the right blend of your own thrash. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Uh, it was a request for us to play it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely going to get... I mean, with it being three hours long, it's not like I'm going to be able to get it to the table every time. No. But we're going to do our best to get it out as much as we can. All right, so that was Dominant Species. Both of us liked the game. It was pretty solid. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing. There's, I mean, it's a mean game. Oh, but it's mean. Uh, So let's go into another heavy game that we played on New Year's Eve. You mentioned this earlier. Uh that is 
The game is mean, but it is a co-op game. Now, the thing with co-op games is basically you only play them if you like uh, getting beaten down. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, it's, and this is one of the worst ones about it, and it takes mm-hmm. a long time to play. Uh, so, Eldritch Horror. So, Eldritch Horror briefly is, in my opinion, is the the fix and streamlined Arkham Horror 2nd Edition. Uh, Arkham Horror 2nd Edition, the game played so long, and it was so clunky, and there were so many different... Uh, it, it took so long to do anything. And once you started adding expansions, it just... The game got too much. And so when Fantasy Flight came out with Eldritch Horror, which was a mo- more streamlined edition, they kept a lot of the same mechanics, but they got rid of a lot of the crap and bullshit that they had before. And it's more streamlined, so so you, you know, now as an investigator, you pretty much get two actions, boom, that's it. You get two actions. And uh, you're moving around the world, you're trying to solve whatever mysteries it is to to defeat whatever old one. And I can't remember what the old one was. It was the Egyptian one, Amatek or... Nefren Ka. Ka. I don't know where I came up with that other name. I think I just made it up. Robotech, the Egyptian god of... Yeah, yeah, maybe Robotech, of, the Egyptian of god of Mecca. Yeah. yeah. So, Judd, was that your first... That was your first time playing Eldritch Horror, correct? Yes. All right, what'd you think of it? I'd like to get your impression before I go into it. I think it was very good. Um, it was... I enjoy it as in the sense of you expect it to be, again, thrash. Like, you get to fight this thing. You, you're saying, like, you can't come into it with the mindset of you're fighting this thing, but you're solving mysteries mm-hmm. to seal this thing away. Especially since I didn't pick a very <clears throat> body... Like, there seems to be body-centric and mind-centric mm-hmm. talents, and I was a very mind-centric talent, so... Oh, right I there, that that's... Balance. You just pointed out something that I have a problem with in Elder Shore. Uh, I've played the game many, many times. I bet I've played it at least 20 times. There's the, the big problem is in Elder Tours that you really should wait until you pick which old one you're fighting before you pick the oh, characters yeah. you're using. Yeah. Because you were using Dexter Drake, and if people aren't familiar with the game, he is uh, he's heavy. A yeah, he's a spellcaster. So he's, he's constantly getting spells. Well, if you're playing against a great old one that has nothing to do with spells, they're not give, the cultists aren't giving you spells, and yeah. uh, none of the clue cards cards are giving you spells none of the none of the mystery cards are giving you spells you have to rely on just these random encounters in whatever city just to get spells and he only starts out with is it one one he starts out with one spell then an extra one because of a problem that i would like to address about okay gaming we got one extra spell we got a bunch of options at the start we literally hear the guy setting up say i don't like this one we're gonna do a different one it draws another one Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not really a problem with the game. That was maybe a problem with how we were setting up the game because yeah. something else happened, too, that I didn't realize until later is that uh, the guy who was setting up the game decided that we wanted to... And, and I want to point this out, too, before I go any further, that you as long as the game's fun, you can do whatever you want to right. with it. You know, yeah. as long as everybody is agreement and everybody's going to have fun. Now, what this guy did, uh, what our friend, his name's Scott, our friend Scott did, when he set it up, he decided when he was setting in the um, uh, Mythos cards, the, the big mythos. purple deck, we call it the Screw deck, he took out all the, the hard ones and put in, like, uh, the novice level because we were playing with five people, and I think that's the first time I've played with that many people. Five people is hard, and also um, two newbies. Yeah, there were two new people. Uh, you were one of them. Mm-hmm. Now you had played Elder Sign, I so you were Sign. you were kind of familiar, familiar with some with of the how things. Cooperative games kick you in the dick. Yeah, yeah, and then and then the other guy, he just never played it before. He is not much of a board gamer like we yeah. are, uh, but he will play them. So um, 
what what he did and of course I thought the game was fun now uh, on the other end I also did not feel like I was challenged at any point I did pick out a character one of my favorite characters in the game is Bob Jenkins and if you have the expansion with him in him I suggest when you play that game and there's more than two people one person always needs to be him because basically what he does is he buys items and then he just sends it to people across the world Fax is Tommy Gun Fax is a Tommy Gun that's correct so, so we get into the game you realize that your character is probably not the best magician mm-hmm. and and basically spells weren't very useful then in this the sailor the yeah. sailor was a better magician than me at some point in the uh, yeah 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 that was the other new guy that was playing yeah. so he was playing the sailor silas i think his yeah, name silas. is and uh steamy boy yeah yeah he uh he cast spells better than you did as a matter of fact he did almost everything better than everybody yeah that he could close gates we had somebody that just needed to close gates that couldn't close them yeah. um Really, the only thing I did is I sat on one city and just just bought Set stuff items, yeah. uh, until I was forced to actually move around because I think uh, during a reckoning you have Nothing to move. Moves you. you move toward the bent pyramid. But so the game lasted about I would say we played that game close to three and a half hours. So it was another really long game. The biggest problem with that is is that you know it was New Year's Eve and I was actually wanting to get in more games, but it didn't seem like we were going to. But uh, and that's the problem with playing these big crunchy games is that is that you only get to play the one you don't get to you don't get really get to to experience like going through you know many different games and many different kind of games you know not everybody likes these cooperative games I mean I know some people that just hate cooperative games yeah I think they're very challenging I own I'm looking at my game shelf right now and I see five uh, let's see five six seven I got I got another one somewhere eight. So I've got at least eight cooperative games, and all of them are very difficult. Well, five of them are pandemics, so I guess that doesn't really count. Which they kind of have to be, because it's otherwise it's not satisfying to win. Mm-hmm. Because when you win against multiple players, you're winning against them doing their best strategy. When you're winning against a board game mm-hmm. that's set to play itself, and you can see all the components, it's not as satisfying unless it, the deck is stacked against you, in my opinion. Yeah, that's you know that you're not you're not you're not wrong, yeah. uh, but sometimes you play a game like Robinson Crusoe. Oh my God, Robinson Crusoe! I played that game ten times last year, mm-hmm. and I won once. Right. Uh, it is so tough. One time we played, and it took longer to set the game up than it did for us to lose. It, we literally lost on the second turn of the game. I definitely think there are diminishing returns to making it too hard. Yes, but you gotta you gotta give them some. Yeah, you hear that portal games. Yeah. Uh, don't make don't make them too hard, but it is it is a good game. It's it's fun, and the challenging thing is that everybody is doing what they're going that they're supposed to. Yeah. Now, Robinson Crusoe, I don't think needs to be played with somebody that's new to playing cooperative games. Uh, it's also not open to somebody alpha gaming either. I, I mean, I hate that. But uh, we got off topic a little bit. Let's yeah. go back to Elder Chores. Oh, so, sure. so Judd, tell me. Tell me what you thought overall of the game. Overall, was a very satisfying game. I like cooperatives because they make people work together, mm-hmm. and it it feels like a community effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I think theme is a check mark, mechanics is a check mark. I mean, they just roundabout. They, this is years of improvement making a game. Mm-hmm. So this is you know really a pinnacle of a game. Oh yeah, yeah, and and my opinion of the game, of course I played it so many times. I love HP Lovecraft. I love Cthulhu. I love everything about it. So when I get a chance to play one of these games, I'm going to play it. Oh really? Uh, huh? Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. I love some I love HP Lovecraft. Yeah, that's so. a joke on I can't I can't pronounce it without doing the guttural tones, but that's the joke on the 
city that Cthulhu is in. Oh, Ryla. Relay? Ryla? I don't know. You're not supposed to be able to pronounce it or see it. Well, you're not supposed to be able to pronounce Cthulhu either or see that, but, you know, that we call it Cthulhu. And I, the other day I was at Books A Million and I saw a huge plush Cthulhu doll, which, I mean, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, he's definitely not alive today and he, he would be very old if he was. Uh, but, but could you imagine what he would think of that? Because his whole, this whole thing's a story is supposed to be unimaginable. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't fathom they're so scary, and, and here we go making uh, Cthulhu slippers, yeah. you know. Uh, it's it's all it's all strange. Video games and everything come out now. It's been very monetized. Yeah. But back to the game. To I love the game. It's very thematic. It's Fantasy Flight, so you know it's going to be thematic. It's yeah. very thematic. It's got great ish mechanics. I'm not going to say they're perfect. I think they've improved on those even more in Arkham Horror 3rd mm-hmm. Edition, which we did not play. I've only played that game twice, but we'll probably talk about it in another episode. So we played, uh, we both kind of like Eldritch Horror, and I like it a lot. Judd, you, you'd play it again, right? I'd play it again. Um, I'd, I'm reserving opinions until I play it again. Because scenario-based games like that, you've got to play a lot. Yes. Except for, like, Betrayal, which yes. you can play once and be like, oh, my God. You did not just mention Betrayal, did you? I just mentioned Betrayal. Oh, my God. Okay. So, we're not. I'm not going to go we're into that. I will, fill, I will fill the whole time we have left just talking about how much I hate that game. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, so we played Elder Tour. Yeah. We've played... Um, we played uh, Dominant Species, both very big games. You talked a little bit about D&D Adventures League. Adventures League. So, what are we going to talk about today, Judd? Today we're going to talk about who we are and why we're here. Okay. We're going to talk about um, what our, our mission really is with this podcast. Yeah. So, so I've been thinking about this podcast. I don't mean to interrupt, but I've been thinking about this podcast for a while. I recently deleted my YouTube channel uh, due to the COPPA regulations yeah. uh, and, and the, the fact, FCC. Yeah, and it's not really the copper regulations. I have no problems with that. It was the way YouTube handled it with their content creators. So I decided just to to get rid of everything, all our live stream games, all our pre-recorded videos. I've got the pre-recorded videos still on my computer, but I've decided that if we're going to live stream from now on, we're going to do it on Twitch. Yeah. Okay. So I've always been thinking about doing a podcast. Uh, just talking about, I don't want to just sit, spend the whole podcast reviewing games. It's like, oh, why did you like First Martians? You know, um, I don't mind doing that for a little bit. But really, what I talk about, I want to delve into gaming culture. So, some of the topics we're going to talk about is, you know, how local gaming stores can help or hinder a gaming group. Just, uh, you know, how to build a gaming group. Just, just different topics that we see, and we're going to start uh, fielding questions. From our listeners as well, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But what I'd like to see is, is you know, we really get into. I want to get into some of the things that people talk about, but they don't talk about in a forum like this as much, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, right. we set up at Gen Con last year until two a.m. in the morning and talked about a problem in our gaming community. A, po- a, po- yeah. a problem in our gaming community. So that's there's kind no of public what... forum for this type of thing. There's no public. Hey, what's the consensus on how to deal with a problem player? Well, people are scared, right? Yeah, people are scared to they're, they're, lose friends. Right, they're scared to lose friends. They're scared, especially we're in a unique situation. I don't know if it's unique, but it's definitely not ideal for a gaming group. No, no. We live in a rural part of Kentucky, which I guess all of Kentucky's rural, but we live in western Kentucky, really. It's, like it's, Louisville, Lexington. Yeah. Uh, 
It's not even close to Louisville, Lexington. No, Louisville, Lexington are the only parts I'd call not rural. Yeah, or Bowling Green, places yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Basically, those big cities are around a two, three-hour, four-hour drive, mm-hmm. five hours for some away. Uh, St. Louis is about three hours away. Nashville's a couple hours away. Two, so yeah. we're trying to build this gaming community up in a very rural community. And we, we just have, I wouldn't say unique, but I think we have a different look at games and gaming culture just because we have to try harder to pull people into the hobby instead of people just showing up for a game night, which they do. We right. do have a game. We have a game night once a month at a brewery in mm-hmm. in a local in a town Paducah, not too far down the road. And we do have people coming in for that. But I've already seen just just now, just seeing that we've done it a couple of times, is that it's starting to it's decline. starting decline a little yeah. bit already. And it's it's just where we live, and mm-hmm. it's just hard to keep these people in. So we want to tackle some of these issues and maybe share with you some of the uh, problems we go through. And listen to you guys, and and you tell us what kind of problems you got to. Maybe you can give us some advice. Yeah, you know, we we are not just talking heads that are omniscient, omnipotent. We are. Well, I am. No I way. am personally, I am. Well, personally, I am in no way claiming to be that. Um, if you want to, uh, sir, I don't have to claim it if it's true. <laughs> if you want to talk back to us about how to how you've handled problems, and we want to feature it on the air. We will. We want gaming to be first and foremost a community. The only way you do that is with community forum. So this is the open forum. Right. So um, let's give us a little bit of background on ourselves. Yeah. So I'll start. So basically, I've been playing tabletop games since, oh my gosh, uh, as long as I can remember, I'm going to include role-playing games, right? Yeah, of course. So I still have the little red books from Dungeons & Dragons. I started playing when I was like 10 years old, and then we got into AD&D 2nd Edition. So at least, what, like 50 years there? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so so we get uh, we played this... We played that all through grade school, middle school, and high school. I started getting more Palladium role-playing games like Rifts, Robotech. I can't think of any others off my hand, but I know that they have a ton of games. And they all basically use the same game system. And it really interested me because the character creation in that was much more involved. Uh, There were skills involved in everything. So I got into that. When I got to college, we still had... I found a small gaming group, and we played a lot of Robotech. We were all Robotech fans, so we Mm -hmm. played a lot of Robotech. My sophomore year... Yeah, it was my sophomore year of school. This fall of 1995, my resident advisor called me up to his room. He was a friend of mine. And uh, he was was painting these little, little weird-looking miniatures, right? And I was like, oh, what's that? And he said, oh, this is Warhammer 40K. Long story short, after playing a game, I ended up spending, at the time, a lot of money for an army. It was $150, but in today's terms, that would be close to $500 in Games Workshop miniatures. And in college, you know, you don't have a lot of money. So, um, let's say I went without food for a little bit. But that's, that's where I started. And I played Warhammer pretty consistently up until... The closure that that was Warhammer Second Edition. I pretty much played consistently. I skipped a lot of Third Edition, but Fourth and Fifth I played through the whole thing and just in the Sixth. And I did not like the way uh, that they had changed the rules, so I went to Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and then they they totally just said, "Up, oh, screw this. We're just going to flush this down the toilet, and we're going to start a brand new game." Age of Sigmar. Age of Sigmar, yeah. and my. 
Uh, I can't tell you how disgusted I was when that happened because now, you know, all my guys are on square bases. I refuse to put them on round bases. And I think round bases are actually required now uh, for that game. I still think not. Uh, if it was in a competitive environment, it absolutely is. Oh, it is in competitive? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So, I don't play competitively. I don't remember what year it was. It may have been 2012, 2013, uh, whenever Wave 2 of X-Wing came out, the mm-hmm. second wave of X-Wing ships. That's when I got into X-Wing. And I've been pretty consistently in X-Wing since then. I picked up uh, sometime between starting X-Wing and ending 40K is when I played a game called Settlers of Catan. And kind of... kind of foray. Yeah, right, right. And then uh, played Seven Wonders, Pandemic, and it's just... it just That just started a snowball effect. And now I've got over 100 board games of uh, party games like... Uh, and then special, what we call hobby games, which I guess all games are hobby. I don't like the term hobby games, but I guess it better classifies them. I mean, you don't want to put uh, Monopoly in the same class as like uh, Quadropolis or Lords of Vegas. or. It's like calling cameras prosumer cameras, <clears throat> like professional and consumer. And it's like, mm-hmm. what's the what's the line here? Yeah. So, Judd. Uh, that that's pretty much my story in yeah. gaming. Uh, so Judd, what what what's yours? I'm a younger gamer, only at 25, and I'm not bragging there. <laughs> I caught the JTCG wave. Um, I was in Yu-Gi-Oh as a child. <laughs> I remember watching like Yu-Gi-Oh and Beyblade and um, what is it, Pokemon or no? I I was into Pokemon. D- Digimon. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh and Beyblade came out, and I was like, those are dumb. They're a game about a card game because all I had played was Rummy. That was a game to sell cards. It was a game to sell cards. Uh, it, well, it was a TV show about a game to sell cards. Where to... they get the rules wrong. Yeah, where they get the rules wrong. They get the rules wrong all the time. Yeah, yeah that's that's beyond the point. Thing. Yeah. But it was, I thought, man, those are dumb. How are, How's that going to gain any traction? And then I watched it and I was in love with it. And I played Yu-Gi-Oh! My first foray into uh, you know a community of gamers was being taken to a Toys R Us Yu-Gi-Oh! League. And so I, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! a lot as a child. Never got really into the metagame. Um, eventually ended up getting back into it sophomore year of high school. I know. I, I, I heard all the criticism. I did it anyway. And then I caught the herpes of gaming, which is Magic the Gathering. Uh, let's stop right there for a second because I did not mention that on purpose when I was talking about my gaming because, that, in my opinion, that's a dark day for me. That's Those are some dark days for a lot of enfranchised gamers. Yeah, I started Magic in... Fourth, fourth edition. Right after Ice Age, or right before? I think fourth was after uh, Ice Age. Third would be after Ice Age. Okay, they, no fourth, because they did. But regardless, beta. you know what? I don't really give a shit now. Yeah, don't give a shit uh, now. But uh, that's when I started. Okay, and I refused to buy these freaking cards. Right? They, they were just, they were just. I just thought it was a stupid thing. Just buy cards. You know, I collected baseball cards when I was growing up, and they actually make money. And I was thinking, there's no way this thing's making money. And I was still in the early days of forty. K or not 40k but magic and there was no internet you know there wasn't really an internet to buy and sell cards basically just all your local game stores yeah. i had somebody give me cards yeah. and that's what i started playing but yeah that's ugh. i didn't mention it because not that i hate magic i think it's a great game i think i think it's designed well but my problems with magic is going to come into a later episode we're oh, going to save it for then definitely so. we are coming into magic in an episode and if you've ever met Magic players, you know exactly what we are talking about. Yeah. Not all of them are bad. Not all of them are bad. Any, There are always exceptions to the rule. That's correct. So, um, so I'm sorry I hijacked you a little bit, Judd. Why don't You're you... fine. I got the herpes of Magic, uh, or the herpes of gaming, which is Magic. Played that for the longest time. 
nearly let it fail me in AP English. Um, nearly, like, thousands of dollars of cards. Well, that's that's pretty out. common, right? That's pretty I mean, common. It's, I mean, I know people that do nothing with their life except work a part-time job and use their money to to pay to 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 play magic. Yeah, I and, and I just was definitely so that. I was yeah. I was very young, but I have gambling runs in my family. I don't need to do magic. Um, if you can do magic successfully and casually, have fun. It's a good game. But the schema behind it is mm-hmm. anyway. So where'd you get after magic? After magic, I entered the promised land of X Wing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was looking for something, and the X Wing community was inviting. Now you got in right at the tail end of first edition, or did you? Or did I tell second you to wait? I told you I to play. yeah. yeah you I told t- me to wait. I told you to wait till second edition came out. Yeah, no, it was, and that was a good decision. Or I think second edition was going to release in like a week or two, and you're like, don't buy any minis now. Um, which was really smart. Yeah, in, in hopes that the, the game store owner would actually discount their first edition after second edition came out. Well, we were wrong, yeah. uh, but we'll go into that later in a different episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I design board games now. Don't have any on the market, but as every gamer in the world can attest, I have a board game that I will design one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we talked For about every... the one that uh, I was looking at the other night. Yeah. And, um, I pretty much got it planned out. I just don't have I don't have the time with my job to to no. do anything extra like that. I mean, heck, I got to play video games too, man. I can't just <laughs> I can't just go to work and come work on board games. I've got a lot of other hobbies. I burn the candle at both ends, and that's what you have to do to make a board game. Yeah, well, but uh, I understand it's not for everyone. No, no. <clears throat> I'd love to do it, but I I'd be honest with you. I mean, it's a it's a tough market to get into right now. There are so many good games and good game designs out there and, and you don't really do it for the money no heck no you, you do won't not do that for the money you probably won't even make money to your second or third printing of a game and yeah. you're, you're talking like you're not going to make ticket to ride money off this no but you just want to get it out there and, and if you're not designing a family game get it out of your head now that you're going to make any money oh yeah 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 if it, if you can't buy it at walmart then, then no. probably, and I'm not saying that everybody that develops a family game is going to go to Walmart, but you look at some of the games at Walmart selling now, like, like Santorini and Catan and Pandemic yeah. and stuff that they can, and uh, what's that, that Disney game, Villainous? Or, or, uh, Villainous, yeah. Yeah, where they can, you know, they can really hop into it. And of course, hop into IPs, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that somebody's locally designing the game. I am glad that board games reach a broader audience with Walmart. Mm hmm. And I understand not all small businesses can support designers like me. You can go into any game store in America and you can find, you can just throw a rock and find somebody who mm-hmm. is designing a game. So you got into so X-Wing. Yeah, you got into X-Wing. We're going to say it was about a, 16 months ago, I would say. 16 months, um, right at the Wave 2. I'm going to backtrack a bit. I had bought games like King of New York. I grew up in a household where we played board games. Mm-hmm. But I always wrote them off as like Clue and all that. But I love Clue, aside from the move. The yeah, the, roll. the yeah. roll to move, roll yeah, to which move. is a oh. terrible mechanic, and it should never be put in a game. No. Yeah. Ever. And you know what? And you know what? And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. That drawing cards with numbers on them that let you move your guy it's is no the difference. same. There is no difference. no difference. I don't care. I don't care. Yes. It is the exact same so if you think, if you're a game designer out there and you think that, oh, well, I don't want to roll to move, I'm going to have them draw cards and move, that's bullshit. It's exactly the same. It's just a different medium that you're using to randomize your move. Yes. If you want it to be asymmetrical, give a flavorful or mechanical reason that someone has more movement mm-hmm. or just make everyone move the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so you got into board games, played some King of New York. We're going to get into our top three board games here in yeah. a few minutes. Uh, and what we like out of board games. Yeah, yeah. So Judd and I have done some events together. I think recently we did the Extra Life event yeah. in Paducah where we uh, helped May raise money for Norton's Children's Hospital. Uh, in the past, we've done board game marathons. I don't know if you came to any of those. Yeah, I came to um, We travel around and we do X-Wing tournaments. We go to Gen Con. Uh, don't work True Dungeon if you go, right, yeah, Joe? Don't, nothing against the experience, but everything against working it. <laughs> so, but get to Gen Con any way you can, right? Get to Gen If it's the only way you can afford to exist at Gen Con, mm-hmm. it's not bad. Okay, so that's a bit of our background. So let's get into what kind of games do we like. So... Uh, and I'll start. I'm just going to, we'll just ramble off maybe like a top three, top four games. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to say right now, I'm just going to start with, with my fourth favorite game. Not Arkham Horror. Eldritch Horror is probably my fourth favorite game. I've mm-hmm. played it so much. And it's just heavily thematic and I love thematic games. It does take a little bit of time. And we normally only play it with three people. So it doesn't take as long. My number three game would be Suburbia, which is, you know, the city building game. I was a big fan of SimCity. And uh, I love it. Uh, I love that game. I know there's a deluxe edition out. I don't feel like putting another mortgage on my house to buy it, but it is on my radar to get eventually uh, because it does come with all the expansions. I believe it comes with another expansion. You can only get in a deluxe set. And plus, the pieces are just super sweet in there. They did new artwork. It just looks a lot better. I actually thought about kickstarting it, but, you know, I have a wife, and uh, so kickstarting is not normally a good idea, you know. Uh, you know, when you pay for something. She... Only single people on Kickstarter only. No, no. you got to go on all those dates. Those <laughs> Kickstarter dates. Yes. From you being like a hot new board game designer or something. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, number... Oh, you're talking about backing a Kickstarter. Backing a yeah. Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, my number two game all time is Dominion, which is, in my opinion, the epitome of what a uh, deck building game should be. Mm-hmm. And all other games that come out that are deck builders are compared to Dominion. Is it better than Dominion? Is it worse than Dominion? Does it have the same you you own same mechanics? And you'll have to you'll have you'll hear that anybody, most people when they talk about deck building games, they're going to mention Dominion in there somewhere if they've played it. Now they may have started with Ascension, <laughs> boo, anyway. But and then my number one game of all time is of course X-Wing the Miniatures game. I'm a very competitive person. And I love the competitive scene. It's not toxic like the 40K scene was mm-hmm. when I was in it back in 5th edition. But it's very friendly. It's very casual. Uh, you'll hear me talking a lot about X-Wing throughout this this whole podcast. Just just for the sheer fact it's my favorite game. I mean, I've got anywhere I look in my room, I see I see X-Wing miniatures somewhere. That That's my top four. Judd, what would you say uh, some of your top games are? My top games, early and, on the list... I'm and they don't put, have to be board games either. I mean, no, you can, yeah. Early on the list, I'm going to put Sentinels of the Multiverse. I love superheroes. But what I really appreciate about Sentinels of the Multiverse is you can... The rule book is as simple as read the card, do the card. <sighs> Isn't that great? There's phases and it's yeah. just... You, you know when to play things. You know how many things you can play and you go, this card says this... I do this, and it's all worded to where it's not walls of text. It's not confusing. You can do it, mm-hmm. and it's a cooperative game. So if you you like we said, you can reach a consensus, and if everyone's mm-hmm. agreeing and having fun, you just beat up the bad guy. However, you beat up the bad guy. Right. Let's see. King of New York is next up on the list, and I'm going reverse order. King of New York's there, and I know it's not King of Tokyo. 
I know people love King of Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I've played them both. I like the variance and the difference of strategy of King of New York, where you can beat up people and not at all worry about victory points. Those people can pick up upgrades where now you can't beat me up. We've got to worry about victory points, and people can just come out of nowhere with this catch-up mechanic. Yeah, and, and King of New York is more of a gamer version of King of Tokyo, right? Yes. I'm a big fan of King of Tokyo. I have it up there on my shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any expansions for it. It is a cool game. I like uh, just get because that's a game. King of Tokyo is somebody is is a game you can get out. One of the beautiful things, and I've hijacked you again about King of yeah. Tokyo over King of New York that I. Think think is that if i've got people over here that don't play games but mm-hmm. they know how to roll dice i like bridge games yeah they can we can we can throw those in there we can throw king of tokyo out and everybody should have fun mm-hmm. it's not my first choice of games but yeah it's definitely a fun game so go ahead and go on king of new york right under king of new york i'm gonna put moniker on the list we played moniker recently uh such a fun party game it's right? a fun you gotta put a good party game in there sometimes and it was a really fun party game and it was inventive. It wasn't just a Cards Against Humanity or Apple to Apples clone. You, it, the game develops. So basically, in the game, each person picks three or four cards mm-hmm. and they put them in a big deck. And those, and they'll have different things on them. Different like it'll say, like points. it'll say, like Star Trek or Commander Riker or something like that. You know, it just have those words. And so you're basically trying to get people on your team to guess mm-hmm. that. It's going to pass around four times. Yeah. These are the same things, but I'm going to tell you, it sounds easy. It it really uh-huh. is not. Until so. you hit the charades round. Oh, yeah, because you it's don't a, get any words. So the first time around, you can say whatever you want. As many words as long as they're not on the card. Mm-hmm. And, and then they, they, and you have a timer to go through as many as possible. Yep. The second round, you can use one word. And then the third round is... Acting it out. So there was only three rounds? There's three rounds. Okay, so yeah, I couldn't remember. It was a pretty large group, but it felt like four rounds, but I guess it was three rounds. So then the third one, you have to act it out. Yeah, which my theater background loves that. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. My (laughs) communication background, nonverbals, and, you know, I didn't major in charades. uh, Well, uh, WordCom is right next to theater, at least at Murray State it is. Well, yeah, I mean, just physically, right? (laughs) Physically in in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah. so, so monikers, yes, I enjoyed that game a lot. Heck, I almost I forgot all about that until you just mentioned it. I know it's a tough game to find, too. I can't find it on, like, cool stuff or anywhere. But I don't see that's a game I'd be playing here at the house much. I I, I think that's more of, like, a, it's a, a dry ground, setting. a dry ground brewery yeah. when we have our game night. That that seems like a good game to, like, end the night with. or Yeah, so I'll set that off in the sphere that is party game. That's mm-hmm. my favorite party game. Next up, I have my favorite game that I've played that is another party game is or that i played here and it's actually you can sit at a table and play it i forgot the name just briefly masquerade oh my god masquerade is so much fun yeah it's kind of like coup yeah it's kind of like coup except you don't really know (laughs) once once the cards start passing around the table you don't actually know what role you're playing it's so chaotic Um, i love it it is it's a chaotic game and i've always had fun playing it but it does after one or two plays, it's one of those that you should only really play one or two times. Because you try to, if you try to do like so many party games, it's like, oh, we had so much fun, let's keep playing. Yeah. Let's play another. It gets. It's like the one night ultimate werewolf circle that doesn't sleep at Gen Con. Uh, well, that's not not one night ultimate. That's just werewolf. That's just those, oh, those are two. Those are two things. Oh man, one night ultimate. One night ultimate is basically. I think it's kind of. It's, you just do the one night and you try to guess the werewolf. I'm not sure right. I haven't played, but werewolf. Werewolf is what I'm thinking. Just of. yeah, just straight up werewolf is the one where you 
basically it's an elimination game. Uh, that's the one that we play that we play here. Which your theater background works there too. And of course, I'm just a I'm just a smartass when it comes to that yeah. game. So I usually get eliminated pretty early. Well, it's it's because of another thing we probably should cover in a future episode, which is not king making, but player hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teaming up on a different player. We saw that uh, playing dominant species, didn't yeah. we? Uh, so I mean, it's it's uh it's you know everybody's everybody does that so so, so that's that's your favorite games i right? have sentinels king of new york monikers monikers off in the party game realm masquerade isn't mm-hmm. a good game still and then D fifth edition okay so D fifth edition yeah. i thought that was going to come in there uh i'm not a big fan of fantasy mm-hmm. genre uh, so I know that a lot of the guys in, in our game group have started playing Dungeons and Dragons because yes. yeah. that's one thing that you can go to the store and almost get into a game every time because, you know, they're persistent RPGers, the D and D, the dungeon masters, they are very persistent. They want to get people in. Now, unfortunately, I wish they didn't hold their games on Wednesday nights when we do our X Wing nights yeah. because it's pulling people away from my X Wing group. Yeah. Which really kind of it kind of pisses me off because every time I try to ask somebody if they want to change a date on it, they're like, "No, Wednesday's fine. Wednesday's fine. I want to play Desert Dragons. Wednesday's fine for X Wing, though." Yeah. So you can't do both. Scheduling is a death to the game, mm-hmm. and like, it's hard to get a group together for an RPG. It's just so drop inable. It's the most user friendly RPG I've played in a while. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, RPGs, like, I'm still kind of stuck on Palladium now. I played some Shadowrun. I mm-hmm. think it was 5th edition. I don't remember yeah. which edition. It's the one you had to basically use a computer program to make your characters because <laughs> it was so freaking complicated. Yeah. Uh, that one, I enjoyed. But that group kind of died out pretty quick. Call of Cthulhu is probably in one of my opinion one of the most thematic rpgs yeah. you can play i mean it's that's not a that's not an rpg you can play in like a game store anyway right you would have to you can't set a mood there no. you you can't really set a mood there i mean it's hard to set a mood for fifth edition and i've i've done it really well with my home game mm-hmm. well it's hard to set any kind of mood in, in the game store we frequent right because there's dogs running around everywhere yes and music constantly which is not it's not like lobby music, it's actual music, and you're like, okay, this is... Some different. of it, some of it's elevator music. Yeah, some, some of it, some of it. A lot it's, of it's elevator, elevator music. music. So, okay, so we went through some of our favorite games, basically who we are, our gaming background, and basically our, our, our uh, geographic region and what, kind, what we're kind of up against as far as building a game group. I will say that there are two, only two really dedicated board game stores in the area and they're both ran by the same person there was a third yeah but not it, any longer yeah it kind of went out of business uh we live in us very I, i'm sure a lot of board gamers it's very magic oriented mm-hmm. here that's how you open a shop you open a shop out of spite and sell magic cards that seems like how they open right uh <laughs> but magic pays the bills if i ran a game store i would definitely sell magic i would learn everything i could about it and i'd buy and sell magic cards because oh, that's what the you block's do. hot yeah the yeah. block is hot so outside of the gaming store, outside of the game, we got we got some time left. Uh, we got more time left than I thought we would. So let's talk about uh, going to conventions, really. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've been to a few. I've been to, uh, there's one in Lexington called Lexicon. Uh, the old one in uh, Carbondale, which was Saluki, uh, not Saluki Con. That's the new one they have, but this was called Egypt Con. And then the, uh, the big one, 
that we go to every year, Gen Con. Absolutely, hands down, one of my favorite experiences of the, of, of the whole year as far as trips. I, I love Indy. I love where it's located. Good food. It's got great food. Great oh, don't food. even get me started on food. I can have a whole podcast about how much great. I love the food there. We'll have a Gen Con survival podcast, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be closer. That'll be in the summer. That'll be closer. Uh, oh, by the way, Gen Con... Uh, passes you should be able to buy your passes toward the end of this month yes you check the gen con website if you're interested and remember and then sometime in february is where they do the um, hotel lottery the room lottery yeah Yeah, the hotel hell uh which is what we call it last year we got lucky we're going to try to get a another room on site but you have to have is nice yeah you have to have your pass Yes. To get entered into that lottery. And then they give you a time where you can book hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you can book one, usually they have connected to a Skywalk, mm-hmm. which is awesome. You don't have to drive around Indy. Yeah. Because but here's the thing. Here's the thing they got. We finally got one connected, right? You Every year I've had to drive. I know what you're going to say. Have to drive. And then... And then uh, and then two things. One thing is, it's always been, it's in August, so it's always been hot. It's been yeah, so it's, hot. And we're having to walk hot. from the zoo or from here. And you're outside and you're just, by the time you get in there, you're just sweating. And then this year, it was not hot at all until Saturday. I mean, it was very enjoyable outside. We didn't even have to go outside if we didn't want to. Yeah. Like, that's the skywalk. You know, it would have been perfect weather to walk up from the zoo that this time. Yeah. Right? But not so much. I even actually... Even actually, uh, I don't remember what day it was. Friday? Yeah, yeah. it was Friday. I ran that uh, 5K, 5K, that 5K run in the morning, and it was uh, it was beautiful outside. And the other thing that really that really burned my chops on this is Judd here. This is the first time he ever went to Gen Con. Yeah. He hasn't had the experience <laughs> of like of like uh, even being off site. So I'm gonna make him get his own hotel this uh, this year. I'm I'm getting in that lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that we got that, the guy who was always unlucky got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the he one always complains about it. He always complains about not being lucky. and he Then got he complained to, about walking. And then complained about walking from the skywalk, on the skywalk, which was yeah. which was pretty hilarious in my opinion. Uh, but hey, different strokes, different folks, right? Yeah. What what all do you um, one thing I love about conventions in general? And it's not just Gen Con, but it's every convention. Well, I won't say every convention because when I did Saluki Con this past year, I didn't get that feel like I get when I go to like even a moderately sized convention like Lexicon. You're just in that culture the entire time yeah. and you have people that are like-minded and everybody's pretty accepting and not a lot of things are going down and and it's just fun to be there and one of the hardest things to do is leave and leave that behind and going back to the real world i actually take another day off because i have to de- culture shock i have to decompress and i have yeah. to adjust back to to this life because we're there for what five days Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, we get there on Wednesday, and this this year we're actually I'm actually considering going up Tuesday night and trade staying day. all day Wednesday. Hmm. Trade day. Yeah. Well, we can't get into trade day. We don't own a business. But uh, so you know that's that's one of the things we like to do is is go to Gen Con, and uh, I would encourage anybody that to afford to go. I mean, it's not like a cheap trip. It's definitely not a cheap trip. Your hotel's going to cost you money, depending on how many people you stay in the room with. You have to share a hotel. You pretty much have to share a hotel room with somebody, right, yeah. to keep the cost down. Oh, yeah. The drive, if you drive, the roads around Indianapolis are shit. They are bad, bad, bad. They're constantly... I've been going to Gen Con now for years, 
and they have been working on the same stretch of interstate from the first time I've been to last year. And last year it was closed. Mm-hmm. So, well, I just went up to, actually just went up to Indy, was it a couple, two or three weeks ago, and, and they were still doing road construction. So it's not, it's not done yet. So it won't be by No, Gen it Con definitely won't be. It won't be by Gen Con 2020. So I'm not sure about plane tickets because we live about six hours away. So it's not really that bad of a drive. Where would we fly to if we drive two hours to fly? Yeah, you would, we'd have to drive two hours to fly. Nah, we, no, we would have to drive all the way to Nashville to drive. So we, and no telling how long it takes to get through security and everything there. So we would probably, it's easier for us. If just we to have drive. a layover, it's just the same. As the- yeah, and it's <laughs> probably not a direct flight because airlines are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we'll probably spend way more time on a plane than we would in a car. Yeah, that's that's right. So what else uh, do we need to let our listeners know about us and what they expect from this podcast? We will not mock your plight. We are we are coming at this wholeheartedly. If we give tough love advice, it's just because maybe you should address that. You might be the problem. And as tough as that is to hear, sometimes you need to grow as a person. Other than that... We will field any question, mostly, that are real questions. What to expect from this podcast? I actually have a list of things that we're going to discuss in some future episodes. Yeah. We're going to try to release every two weeks on Sunday. The Sunday Gamer. The Sunday Gamer. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, but if not, if not, it'll be definitely be out on Monday or Tuesday. It depends on how long it takes to get the video edited and how many times we basically just screw up during a podcast and have to go back and edit like we just did. So, basically, we're going to talk about things like how your... I hate the term FLGS, Friendly Local Gaming Store, because I'll be honest with you, not all of them are, have the F. Mm-hmm. Some of them I would like... Some of them some are frequent and to, I want to that tell, small Some of them I'd like to tell you. the F off. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, but you know, how your local gaming store can help or hinder the gaming community. Uh, some of the toxic relationships with gamers. What I mean by that is, uh, do you have somebody in your gaming group that always alpha games or yeah. is constantly complaining or is a whiner? All these different things that we can't stand. Or, or are you the person? Because I know sometimes I have some bad habits from playing board games. Of, of, I taunt people, which, hey, that's just part of me. But uh, how to build a good gaming group. You know, that's something that we we know uh, just just from trying to do it here. Uh, some travel tips for uh, conventions. Uh, we've talked about some of our top games. We are going to have an episode where we go in depth. Everybody likes top 10, top 50, top 100 list. Now, I'm not going to go to top 100. But I think we can definitely do top 10 games of maybe maybe once every two or three months. We can do top 10 games of something yeah. or top five. We'll whatever. definitely be on the pulse of getting you what mm-hmm. new games are coming out. Yeah. One thing that, that's very relevant in the community that, that, that I'm in, uh, X-Wing, that you're in as well, mm-hmm. uh, but it also happens in games too, is just dice hate, like hating inanimate objects and blaming them yeah. for, for poor decisions. Dice jail and all yeah, that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a whole dice superstitions episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Negative play experiences, like we've all had them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't just happen in competitive environments. They absolutely have. As a matter of fact, I've there are people to this day that I will not play games with because they've ruined games for me. Yeah. Some people don't like that. They don't think that that's. It. But hey, you know what? I'm not gonna upset and for a game for this was an eight hour game that this guy ruined, it's, and I was very highly upset. And I will never play another game with. But him. we'll also give you tips on how not to be that person. Yeah. And you know, how to handle that person. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Extra Life over the course of the year. Yep. 
Uh, and if you haven't yet, you don't have to donate to me, uh, but you can donate to anybody that's doing Extra Life because that money is going to go to the St. Jude's Children's Hospital Network, and it's just going to help sick kids no matter who raises the money for it. We're going to talk about that, and toward November, we're going to basically dedicate whole episodes to Extra Life and what we're doing there. Mm-hmm. How to demo a game. Not every, not everybody knows how to demo a game, right? Like I'm you, omnipotent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into uh, Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. Like I have a very strong opinion on Kickstarter, yeah. and it may not be a popular opinion, but we want to we want to look into that, and you know, just topics like that. We want to talk about the culture and and how to maybe maybe not improve ourselves. I mean, we're not we're not doing that. We just want to bring these out. The, the topics that people don't normally like to talk about, especially because they're scared of retribution from like a game store owner, from members of their game group, all of those kind of things. They may be scared of, of doing that. And I want us to be the forum where we talk about that. Because- when we say game store owner, <laughs> yeah. um, I want to apologize first and foremost because I can't audibly roll my eyes. <laughs> you cannot hear me in this podcast roll my eyes hard mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. So... But if you, you run a good game store, congrats. We applaud you. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to a lot of game stores, and the majority of them are fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, great small businesses. They're great small businesses. Some are not so great, and I've been to a couple of those. And yeah. sometimes, if you're listening as a game store owner, sometimes you have a great game store, and you've worked so hard to get this great environment, and you just have players that are not a good environment. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know... Listen in on those episodes, and we'll tell you maybe how to handle them a little bit. Or don't listen to us. Or don't listen to us. And, and keep having people get mad in your store. That's yeah. fine. You don't or have to listen to us. Or drive out the families and the yeah. uh, less enfranchised players and have only a few players who are, you know. Right. right. Yeah. So, so, but all in all, we're going to talk about games. Yeah. Right? And uh, why we play them, why we love them. And this is this is something that's very near and dear to us. This is like my my main hobby. Well, one of my main hobbies. And I've spent a lot of time over the past three years putting over a hundred videos on YouTube mm-hmm. of board game reviews and live plays and things of that sort. And I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to get on here. And I'm not saying we're not going to review games. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to talk about games. That's going to be the first part of our podcast every time. We're going to talk about some games that we want to talk about. Yeah. Whether we played them in the past couple of weeks, maybe it's a game that you just itch and talk about and you just want to get out. Hey, I really like King Domino for some strange reason. But and it's a fine game. But anyway, you know, we want to we want to get all those topics out and we we just we just want to share our experiences and hopefully uh, you can share some of yours during that time. So I think that's about all for this episode. Now, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, look for us, and we're going to have our first real in-depth topic, how a, a local gaming store can help or hinder a gaming community. And uh, we're going to go into some in-depth discussion, and hopefully you guys have some suggestions for us. And uh, next time, I hope to... I hope to, that you're listening to us, and if you could just uh, give us a good rating on, uh, give us a good rating on iTunes, so we keep popping up when people search for us. Yeah. So, um, if you enjoy us and think we can make a difference in the board game community and video game community, then the best way to do that is advertise for us. We're not, 
you know, we're not begging for advertising. We're saying... No, no, no. We're begging for advertising. We're begging for we're advertising. Absolutely doing it, yeah. Saying, just say, hey, check out this episode, and maybe it'll help someone be less of a problem player. Yeah. We're going to try to keep the episodes around an hour and a half, mm-hmm. or less. Like, this one's going to be significantly less, because, to be honest, uh, we just uh, basically just... We didn't really script this today. Mm-hmm. We just kind of bullshitted. Uh, we, the we, points don't matter. Yeah, points, <laughs> points don't matter, right? Uh, so... <sighs> Anyway, that's another thing that gets on my nerves. But so uh, until next time, I'm Bob. I'm Judd. All right, and thank you for listening to the Sunday Gamer. This has been the Sunday Gamer podcast. We thank you for your commitment to better gaming. If you're looking for input about gaming-related social situations, email us at thediceguildgaming at gmail or come to our Facebook page, The Dice Guild. Tune in the next time when we discuss how an FLGS can help or hinder a gaming community. Until then. Play on and play better. Thank you.